0: Alex here we are um not a year how when we recorded in August right
1: yeah it was like right before the season
0: the season right. started so here we are four months later mm-hmm. how how have we felt these past four months about what has transpired
1: well I just want to say that we I'm pretty sure on our last podcast we uh told everyone that we probably weren't going to record at all during the season because we are all like students and whatnot. So this was totally planned. This is not <laughs> like, Oh, we, we fell out of it for four months. Like we no, were never yeah. really going to record.
0: During yeah, the no. Three oh. out of the four people who appear on this podcast are
1: graduate students. We just, we just didn't have time. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, as, as for how I have felt this past football season, um, I don't think I have ever hated an OU football team more than I did this team. Like I legitimately felt dread every time they were coming on that. And I knew that I had to watch them and that started week one with Tulane when we beat them by five points, you know, 40 to 35, it was just a horrible showing. Then, you know, Nebraska, horrible showing, you know, West Virginia, terrible showing, you know, it was just, it was horrible showing after horrible showing all season. Um, and it, yeah, it just led to me genuinely disliking this team. Obviously, I still, you know, I'm still an OU fan, but as for how I felt about watching this team, it was, it was misery in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: No, it sucked a lot. Um, I, uh, and it wasn't, I was trying to think of other seasons I have disliked. Um, the obvious one that comes to mind is 2014. Um, but that team had some AJP Ryan in it, right? That team had actually a pretty decent defense against teams that don't wear green and gold or orange
1: and purple. Teams that couldn't throw the ball very well. Yeah, they, to be honest. Yeah, that team that team was interesting, but like it just I don't know that team made more sense to me. It was like, oh, Trevor Knight's not actually that good. He had one right. game against Alabama. And that was kind of what that season's hopes were built on. And, oh, Mike Stoops is, is, is not that good of a defensive coordinator. That was the year that that really started to go into focus. Because 2013 was fine defensively. Mm-hmm. 2014, we just couldn't stop the pass at all. You yeah. know? And that really, you know, that season made sense. The thing about this season and why I hated it so much is because it didn't make sense. There was no reason for it to be as bad. As, as it was going at the time of it happening. Obviously now we have reasons, you know, we have, we have a person to blame for that. <laughs> um, and it just didn't make sense during the season. Cause we didn't know everything that was actually going on.
0: Yeah. Um, this is, yeah. I, I look back at the season and it's like, what did I enjoy? And the answer is mainly Caleb Williams highlights. Um, the, um, so I was on a plane for the first three quarters of the, well, no, the first half of the Texas game. I was on an airplane, totally unaware of what was happening. Um, yeah. I land and the first notification I get when I turn my phone off airplane mode is the athletic letting me know that Spencer Rattler got benched. Um, right. And then I hear these children on the airplane behind me talking about how, oh, Oklahoma's getting creamed. Um, <laughs> And so it was like, well, okay. But at the same time, it was like, that was a moment of where it was just like, okay. So yeah, this team isn't actually as good as we thought it was. The, like everything we had seen in the past five weeks or whatever was true. Like actually genuinely not a very good football team. Um, and then Caleb Williams came in and just some crazy shit happened and it was great. Um, the Kansas game uh, was a nightmare until some crazy shit happened with Caleb Williams, and it was great. Um, I
1: will will say, I think the Kansas game was genuinely the low point of the season for me, because at that point, I just knew that the team was not serious, you know? Because serious teams don't mess around with teams as bad as Kansas, Mm -hmm. you know? There's a team that, you know, the city that I live in, there's a team here that you know, had a worse result to get against Kansas, <laughs> but if we're comparing ourselves to them, that's an issue. You know, yeah. and that's how you know you're not serious is when you're comparing yourself to Texas. So that was that was the low point for me um, for the whole season, even more than losing to Baylor, losing to Oklahoma State. You know that that was really where it came into focus. As like, oh yeah, we're we're not even close because <laughs> after after seeing Caleb come in, you were like, oh. Okay our def- we just need to get our defense healthy. the offense is going to be humming because Caleb's a freaking superstar like everything's gonna be fine. That was kind of the midseason feel. And Kansas to me really was like, oh, okay, this isn't this isn't the year, you know.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, because there's a degree to which you know it's like the first half of the season was miserable the whole time. but we you get through it and you're like, okay, so that was like, that was bad, but now like we have our quarterback and we didn't drop any games. So it's like, right. everything can be fine from now on.
1: And we had a coach that we were all still fans of at the time saying that we were close every game. We were close. Oh, we're close. We're close. We're close. And you, and you, you tend to buy into that. Or I did. At least, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, if this happens in the second quarter, or this happens like we blow them out and that's fine. But now we just, you know, we couldn't catch a break here. And and in reality, when that's happening every week, you're not close. Right. You know,
0: and when it happens in <laughs> Kansas, you know, when yeah. your quarterback has to do the thing that every football player is like drilled into them never do this in order to win a football game against Kansas. There are problems.
1: The absurdity of that play, like that's still genuinely one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen anybody make. Yeah. You know, and that it just yeah, we probably lose to fucking Kansas if he doesn't do it. You know, like that's that's really, really bad. Um and it that was to me the low point. The other low point to me was was Bedlam. And because it really, you know, that it ended the streak, right. Mm -hmm. We didn't even get to play for a big 12 championship. And it just really showed like how just this team was so sabotaging, you know, and it happened all in that game, you know, like this, we caught breaks against Oklahoma state, you know, they muffed a punt touchdown, you know, they fumbled. We got a safety out of it, like in the second half in that third quarter, you know we caught some breaks in that game that really should have blown that game open for us and rather than that we just go on four straight possessions where we can't get we can't get yards because we're holding or we're doing something ridiculously mm-hmm. stupid we're kicking the ball out of bounds you know what i mean after a bad throw on a on a little flare route like it was just those little detail oriented things that just We never got right. And when you're playing a team like Oklahoma State, not a talented football team, we had no business losing to them, but they're a well-coached, good football team. When you're playing a team like that, if you give them that life, you get beat. And I know that, yeah, that was absolutely pass interference in the end zone. And we win the game if they call that. Absolutely. There's no arguing against that. But we shouldn't be in that situation. You absolutely should not be in that situation but the team you're that much more talented than.
0: Yeah. And I, I think my um like my feelings about that, like leaving that game, I think are kind of telling because of what happens later. Um, which essentially like I came out of that being like, well, you know, that sucked. Um, and it's annoying the streak is over. It's annoying that people in Stillwater are experiencing happiness. Um But it's like, you know, this is maybe the worst Oklahoma football team, like not in the past decade. Um, But if like if you look at the past decade, it's like this or 2014, probably.
1: I genuinely think it's the worst team since 2014. Like, I I think that that's that's the only contender, you know, because I mean, we won the six Big 12 championships in a row. Mm -hmm. And like this this yeah, this team just was not this team. was not it.
0: I do think the 2013 team team is actually not very good, but they did beat Alabama. And so.
1: <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. Like they, they were, they were not as good as their record. That was a great job by Bob Stoops. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But... So you have
0: like the worst. So like one of the worst Oklahoma teams of the past decade versus an Oklahoma state team. That is like, I, I mean, I don't know where it ranks in terms of their history. Um,
1: I See, here's the deal with, with that team is that like, you don't think, think they're, they're had, very good. I think they've had much better football teams in the last decade. Well, I mean, obviously 2011 is their best team.
0: 2011. I think
1: they've had better teams than that. The, um, in that. 2017. Yeah. I think 2017 they were more talented. You know, they just didn't win games yeah. as much. You know, like this team, they found ways to like bullshit their way and win some games. Yeah. Like they were a lucky ass football team.
0: Yeah. All know? those, those Oklahoma State teams with the, um, I forgot his name, but the racist quarterback who looks like Taylor Watner. Those were all. Those were all probably better than this team.
1: Yeah, yeah, they all were, right? So I, we had no business losing to this stupid ass team. But that was the kind of team oh you had this year. It was the team that like, you know, all year like we just didn't ever do details well. You know, the details were just never there all season because. If you're if you're talking about how close you are, it means that there's just a number of small things that you're not doing right, and we just never did them right, and then that makes you a bad team, you know. Um, and I, we'll, we'll talk more about this, but that's that's very indicative of how Lincoln Riley's tenure at Oklahoma went, if we're being completely honest.
0: Right. But so I am, um, like at the end of that game, my general feeling was like. I Like, I posted the the meme from Invincible on Twitter. It's like, you know, look at what they have to do to mimic a fraction of this football team's power. Like, even with this team falling over itself at every opportunity, could have won it at the end. Yeah. No um, doubt. And then Lincoln says he's not going to LSU. And it turns out he was telling the truth. Because yeah. um, we wake up the next morning, and Bruce Feldman is like, oh, I think... Uh, USC is targeting Lincoln Riley.
1: Yeah. How did you, how did you feel when you saw that? Like, what was your reaction to that tweet?
0: I was like, Oh, well that's weird. Why would they do that?
1: Right. Well, I just, to me, it was all about like, I, I just, I mean, I should have taken Bruce Feldman more seriously than I did right. because my reaction was like, Oh, this is bad reporting. Like, there's no way this is true. You know? Um, but yeah, I was just I was just wrong. And and I think the the basis of of the feeling like I just Lincoln Riley wasn't who I thought he was, essentially. You know, that's why I felt and I, I'm gonna ask you, because I know you have over the years thought a lot about the Kevin Durant situation. And how would you compare that to this?
0: Um it would have been it's more like if Kevin Durant had left for the Lakers circa 2016, right? Yeah, a little bit, for sure. And I think, like, and to, and to a degree to which, like, if that had happened, which I, like, I don't know, I don't know what the Lakers um, cap situation was at the time. It's probably not great. Um,
1: they had the so money know to know get KD problem. but, yeah, yeah.
0: But you can imagine, like, so if Katie went to the Lakers, you would say, oh, well, you know, he wants to be in L.A., then it's like, that team will be good now because he's there. I don't I like the difference between the two is like right leaving Oklahoma City for the Warriors like was not a lateral move really. I mean I think one of the things we've talked we've talked about before is like if the 2016 team retains KD and brings in Al Horford they're probably the best team in the league next year. Um yeah. but they wouldn't be as good as the warriors with KD on it. Right. Um, And so in that sense, it's like, he did upgrade. Whereas like, I don't know what the USC job is.
1: Right. Yeah. How, how emotionally like the way you reacted to each, how do you feel? How did you feel like, you know, in the moment, not now that we've had a week and a half to process it, but like when you find out Lincoln is gone, how did you feel compared to when KD went?
0: um you know the feelings are actually probably pretty similar um yeah with um it's tricky um because i I don't know um well i I do think i felt similarly i like similarly betrayed similarly like similarly annoyed by the the like well of course you wanted to get out of oklahoma i say as a person from oklahoma who doesn't live there anymore um But, um, also, like, but sim- also similarly confused by the fact that, that you're leaving when you ha- seem to have a pretty freaking good thing going. Yeah. Um, well, here, here, can
1: I, I'll say how I felt. Like, I definitely felt worse when Kevin Durant left the Thunder because I felt at that point that that ended any hope of the Thunder winning a championship.
0: That, yeah, that's actually a good point.
1: I think this yeah. one, this would be like if the Thunder, in compensation for getting, for losing Kevin Durant, this would be like if the Thunder were gifted a number one overall pick in return. Because we still get to hire a football coach that replaces that role. We don't know how good it's going to be, just like you don't know how good a number one pick is going to be. But you could hit and get a player better than Kevin Durant at number one, or you could hit. And get a player just as good as Kevin Durant at number one, and that's what we had the opportunity to do um, when we hired a coach. So it it wasn't quite as deflating as when we lost Kevin Durant for nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I will say that in my the situation I was in, I was driving home from Thanksgiving. Um, I was driving home to Austin. It's about an eight hour drive. And this broke about two hours into that drive or maybe an hour and a half in. My initial reaction was freaking panic and kind of laughing because I just couldn't believe it. And then I just like spent the rest of my drive on the phone talking to everybody that cares, you know, like it was uh, it was a pretty wild thing. And I I went through like, I mean, you and I were like trying to talk ourselves into Cliff fucking Kingsbury. Right. On the data, which like we were- I, would, I would like
0: to say in my defense, when you called me and we started that conversation, the first thing I said is I don't see a reason why he would leave. So right. nobody at us about the cliff yeah, yeah, thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were both like, you know, let's just do it. Let's let's hire Cliff. Yeah, you know, like we were wrong. Like, but like, yeah, we just weren't really thinking correctly. You know, we mm-hmm. just weren't thinking straight because it was such a A ridiculous shock i will say i i was more surprised by lincoln leaving than kevin durant leaving i was more surprised by lincoln leaving than bob stoops retiring you know like it was Mm -hmm. just
0: i get uh, the other thing about the difference between lincoln and kevin durant is that like i mean katie was in free agency so we were prepared for the possibility that he would leave right we were just mad that it was golden state and we would have been mad otherwise. too. like, I don't want to give us give the Thunder fan base too much credit here. If he had left for Boston, we would still have been pretty mad at him. But I think we wouldn't have been as surprised by the move. Like okay. the Lincoln move was more surprising because you know, and I mean, because the way coaches buyouts are trivialized these days, um, like these these moves could happen any year at any time. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it it. This wasn't – this was never on the table for us. Right. I Like, I didn't take the LSU rumors seriously all year.
1: No, I didn't either. Well, and I think it's interesting too because, I mean, we've kind of survived multiple coaching carousels with Lincoln. You know, yeah. like he, he could have been the freaking Cowboys coach if he'd wanted to be. You know, yeah. if he really had gone to them and been like, hey, hire me, they would have done it. Yeah. Or, you know, the Browns would have hired him when they drafted Baker. Like, he's had – NFL opportunities, you know, just several of them, and he never took them. I think it's clear now that we know, like, he wants to be a freaking college football coach. Like, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Um, but you know, I, and I also think that, you know, he doesn't want he doesn't want to go to the SEC at OU. Like, he just didn't want to do it. You know, and yeah. that's that's funny. I, do, I
0: have seen some people like be like, oh, it was like malpractice by the OU to not like listen to that, like consult their coach on this move. And it's like, if you think they didn't consult Lincoln on this move, you are a stupid person. (laughs) Right. It's just not his call to make ultimately.
1: Right. Well, and I think that that's, and we're, you know, we'll talk, I guess we'll just get into the whole, like Lincoln Riley thing now, because I think that it kind of shows his, the way he, was operating the OU football program and the way he wants to operate a program. And I think it's, he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the program, you know? And if you look at what he's doing at, o, he's done at OU, like he shut down everything from the outsiders. You know, it was like the most shut off the program has ever been. Bob Soups was like pretty paranoid. As a coach like there's no doubt but he was just like typical paranoid coach don't steal our trick plays kind of thing lincoln was like no like no one's getting in no one like he 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 made it hard for former players that worked for the university to get in to see them practice yeah i mean he
0: retaliated to the student newspaper watching practice from a window on a dorm
1: like right absolutely and like so he i think had this has this need to just be in complete and total control and i think in that mindset he also wants to be the reason for the success and mm-hmm. if ou is crazy successful with lincoln riley it's just ou football that's what ou football has always been you know they've done it with several coaches and that's just how it would be if he goes out to usc and wins big it's lincoln riley you're in la like it's he's a freaking superstar out there you know and so i think that there was a a sense of i can go out to usc have an easier path it's the, it's the pac 12 it's not a real serious conference like i'll beat oregon and compete with utah every now and then but i'll be i'll mop up recruiting in california because he was already recruiting great at at ou in california so like yeah. that's not going to be a problem and he gets to be the reason why they're successful if they are, you know, and that was just never going to be the case at Oklahoma, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult because I feel I, like similar to when Katie left, though, I think Katie's um, con- consistent onlineness in the past five years has ultimately proven a lot of Oklahomans right about him. Um, the um, I don't I don't want to dive too deeply into like how this proves that Lincoln Riley is a cowardly fool. Um, because like the reality when he was here, we liked him actually a lot. Um, he was a, for a football coach, um, extremely likely to say not stupid things, you know, unlike other coaches in that state, he probably doesn't believe that JFK Jr. is going to rise from the grave to reanoint Donald Trump as president. Um, sure. Sure. And you know, that's not like count your blessings when you have a football coach. Um, right. he um but th- there there are aspects of it that become obvious in hindsight, especially compared to Brent, um immediately. Um his, Link- Lincoln's reticence with the media, Lincoln's reticence with the university, um was is, is really obvious, I think, in comparison.
1: Yeah. Well, and I just, you know, to to latch on to like, or to talk about how all of this stuff affects this season, um, like the idea that, I mean, that guy was he was out the door. It really seemed like he was frustrated going in to the season, and I think all of those things contributed to that. Um, and I think where, and I. I have no problem, honestly, with him being that way, if I'm being real. Like if Mm -hmm. he wants to take all the credit for something, fine. You know, go somewhere where you can. Um, I think the thing that I have the biggest problem with is that he touted this season as a national championship possibility. He did. Not everybody else. I mean, everybody else did too, but it was mostly because the head coach is saying, hey, we, we think we have a chance this year you know, and I just wonder where it went from, Oh, this is a, my best team in Norman to, yeah, I can't win here. I got to get, I'm going to go out to USC. You know what I mean? So I wonder where that changed.
0: It is. um, It is interesting to think about if you ask Dean Blevins, he knew from the start. um, But I don't know if Dean is the source on this one guys. Um, I think, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to do too much revisionism here now that we don't like Lincoln Riley anymore. But I mean, I, you have said this, like the teams have gotten worse since 2018.
1: Yeah. I mean, seriously, like if you just look at his, his, the program he ran, like his best team was 2017. And that was, that was pretty much Bob Stoops' team. Yeah, Bob Stoops left in June. You know, he gave Lincoln two months, essentially, to, to get ready for the season. Bob's, Bob did all of the spring stuff. Like, you know, like that was Bob's team. And that was his best squad. 2018 was a little worse. 2019, a little worse. 2020, you could argue by the end of the year they were better than 2019. But if you go as a whole, it's a little worse because they were horrendous at the beginning of the season. And then this year was his worst team. By far, you know, yeah. and the problem with that is Lincoln was a great recruiter, like inarguably a great recruiter. He made OU cool to the greater population of high school football players in the country. I mean, seriously, like OU is just viewed differently now than they were five years ago when Bob yeah. Soup's ran the show. And when his talent increased every year, his results got worse. And that to me is, that's a real, you know, honestly, if you look at that as an OU fan, you can be like, oh, cool. He's gone. We don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> um, that's something I would be concerned about as a USC fan. Um, mm-hmm. Once I got over the initial, just, oh my God, we got Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. Like that'd be crazy. But the the reality is he did coach every year a, a worse team than than the year prior. So every year that we got away from Bob Stoops, it just seemed like things got got worse, and it was really unexplainable why,
0: because yeah. the
1: teams were more talented.
0: Yeah, you know, th- and this is the, like the the boogeyman that um, every fan base is going to single out whenever they can, because it's impossible to prove either way. But I think about I think about losing Jerry Schmidt, um, and bringing in Benny Wiley. And I think about the injury problems we've had. I think about guys like Bray Walker who basically just never got to see a football field. Um, And you wonder like, like what are we, what are we doing here? This guy was, you know, an extremely high, high star recruit. And we just like, he was just never in playing shape here his entire time.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like that, that to me, like I, it's really hard for me to speak on strength and conditioning because I just have no idea. Right, exactly,
0: and no one does. Do. The, this I, is this is going to be a recurring thing by the way, in this podcast. Moving on, nobody knows anything. Um, right, don't believe somebody who can who will tell you that like they know for a fact that Benny Wiley doesn't know what he is doing.
1: But, right. but what I will say is though, like I, you know, since Schmidt has been re, re- reannounced as he's returned, I guess mm-hmm. like, you know, you just seen former player after former player talk about, Oh my God, his workouts, they were horrible. They, they were miserable, but he made me do stuff. I never thought I could do, you know what I mean? And I don't think I ever heard anything like that about, Oh, Benny Wiley workouts are, they're insane. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know that to be true. Maybe people just didn't talk about it. Maybe they were impossible too, but like, it really seemed like things they were focusing on different stuff um, and doing it in a different way than I think the way Jerry Schmidt operates is probably pretty standard practice in the, in the country. You know, I think most players at big schools, they hate the workouts. They're miserable, but they wind up doing stuff. They never thought they would be able to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think like you look at stuff like that, where were, where were we talking about before I made that diversion? I don't have any idea. I forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Lincoln Riley here, uh, his teams have gotten gotten worse, right? That's what we were talking about. Right. Yeah, his yeah. teams have gotten worse. Um, the the other thing to look at is the quarterback situation, um, because and this is this is the this was the criticism of him from the outside constantly was that they weren't his quarterbacks. And the reality is that, yeah, now he will have left Oklahoma without really having the success you would have liked to have
1: seen with a quarterback he recruited. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll be honest, like he did a bad job with Rattler. Like there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt because Rattler is a really talented quarterback. Um, But Rattler, I think it's fairly obvious, has some issues from like a processing and just mental standpoint. Yeah. When it comes to football, I'm not going to speak on Rattler's attitude. I don't, I don't really care, No, but yeah. his, his ability on the football field showed me that like he didn't process things particularly quickly, you know, and, and maybe that is a Lincoln Riley thing that, you know, he should be able to teach him how to do that better. I don't know. Um, I do think that if he'd stuck around with Caleb, I think Caleb was going to be great. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, I agree. Um what I think happened a lot with the quarterback situation is I think teams just figured out how to defend Lincoln Riley, you know? Because there's there's one thing that teams did this year, like every game that they didn't really do until this year, and that's just blanket zone coverage. Yeah. You know? Like and and yeah, teams couldn't do that against us necessarily very often in the early years because our O-line was fantastic and we just ran the ball great.
0: Well, and also like in the early years, you know, we are like we're talking about two number 1 picks playing football. And like Baker is oh, sure. like ass right now, but like this this is the thing is like Baker in 2017 running the system I think I think probably as well as it can be run as a system. Um, yeah. against defenses that didn't really know how to stop it. Um, yeah. And then in 2018, like as teams are figuring out, it's Kyler Murray, and you just can't do anything about that, right? But we yeah. saw in Jalen's year and in the past two years that like, yeah, there's there are concepts that are effective at taking away this offense at its best.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that the unwillingness this year, like – cuz if you got a team just playing off playing, you know, blanket zone coverage, you can't throw, you can't have your offense be centered around deep and intermediate passings passing game. Like that just can't be the case cuz that's not going to be open, you know? And we just never got away from that. And that's why our offensive line got so much criticism, but Caleb would be back there for 6 seconds and he couldn't find anybody. That's not the offensive line's fault.
0: Yeah, you like you, you know? can't run seven-step drop plays if no. you're if you're against this kind of defense. Um, right,
1: and think about think about Bedlam. They got most of their pressures and sacks rushing three. Yeah, you know, like when they like that last play of the game, they rushed three, and they got to him because there was nowhere to go with the freaking football. The first half, OSU was playing their normal aggressive ass defense, and we were beating it because we have better players. You know. Teams figured out, like, oh, we shouldn't try to just go one on one with these guys because they'll win. And they were like, we're gonna make a quarterback that's inexperienced, both Rattler and Williams, at picking apart his own defense. And Lincoln had no answers to help them with that. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't he didn't do short passing game stuff. You know, he would get away from the run a little bit too much. Like it was
0: Yeah. It well, was and a this is the, this is one of the things that you have talked about. That we you and I talked about when Lincoln left, that I think is accurate, um, and like plays into this issue is that he's not the kind of guy who would run a play until it stops working, right? Um, And the reality, like if a team is just going to set up in deep zone, like there is there are ways to punish that, and you just need to keep doing that until they stop it, right? Yeah.
1: Well, and, and another thing with that is like, yeah, you need to run the ball if you get. Uh, friendly boxes which is what we were getting a lot of but it would make sense that you would do a lot of like simple zone running schemes to beat that rather than super slow developing run plays that we like to run you know lincoln is super you know he's got the gt counter that's a that's kind of a slow developing play because you got both guard and tackle pulling across the line that's going to take a second you know, mm-hmm. and that gives the defense that's backed off a little bit that gives them time to crash down on the run game. Um, and with Rattler specifically, they knew exactly where to crash and they could put all of their resources into that because Rattler couldn't run worth of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it was just I think it was a combination of, of just bat. Like teams had figured out the run game. They had figured out how to stop the passing game in a lot of ways and it just it slowed the offense down to a halt in a lot of games, you know, like freaking remember how miserable watching us play against Nebraska was yeah, or West Virginia was, you know, that it was awful to watch, you know, the games that I enjoyed watching our offense play this year, Kansas state for the most part, pretty good game. They played well, Texas, TCU, Texas tech, four games out of the season. I'm not counting Western Carolina. It's not a real game, No, but four games out of the whole year, our offense looked competent in every other game, Iowa state, horrible OSU, horrible Baylor, horrible. Any defense with a pulse that could execute good zone coverage. We just couldn't do anything. Right.
0: And, you know, Caleb came in and I think Caleb's presence changed things for defenses at first. Yes, um, because suddenly he there was this huge mobile threat. It was right. opening up single coverage downfield, um, and I think eventually teams were t- like, I, and eventually, relatively quickly, teams are like, "Well, actually, we shouldn't change anything."
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. And it it just never worked, man. And I just after processing things for the last week and a half, the way things are and obviously this is going to be how I feel as an OU fan, but like I'm glad we're off that train, you know, like Mm -hmm. I don't know what the hell Brent Venables is going to do as head coach at OU, but I'm glad that it's not going to be the same shit because I think, I think we were headed to like late stage Mac Brown at Texas mediocrity. I really do. Because those teams that he had were talented as hell, but they were, they just did not, They just lost, and I think we were losing enough of the mentality that we had had of winning that we were we were headed in a bad direction, in my opinion. Because thinking about this year, if OU, if we didn't know how to win fucking football games, we would have had like four or five losses at least. But like we just we had enough ability to just know how to win a football game at the end, like West Virginia, like we just had enough to be able to win those foot kind of games. And I think that that was every year, every year we were progressing, that was going to get worse and worse. And you're just not going to win every one possession game you play every year, you know? And so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that things have gone the way they have. I wish that, you know, I wish it was a little less of a situation where you lose part of your roster you lose a ton of recruits anytime you have a coaching change but that's just part of the deal
0: yeah like and this is going to sound insanely homerish but like i think our coaching staff will be better next year than it was this year like significantly yeah
1: Yeah. well i mean we're keeping a lot of the offensive staff and i think that the offense like with jeff levy i think that it's going to be better i think that it's going to fit The personnel. Assuming we have some of that, Mm -hmm. see, Um, I think it's going to fit a lot of the guys better. I I, honestly, and I don't even know if he's going to stay, but I don't know of an offense that I could think of in college football that fits Caleb Williams better than Jeff.
0: Yeah, I was watching the highlights from the Tennessee game, Ole Miss versus Tennessee today. It's Mm -hmm. like you want to talk about doing something until they stop it. They ran like seven. Quarterback draws. Like, it's just every time, and they were like well timed. Like, every time Tennessee would come with pressure, it was just like, oh, just kidding. We're running the ball. (laughs) Like, it was incredible. Um, And Caleb would have been lethal on those. And um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think schematically, there's a lot. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I've watched like two or three games of West of Ole Miss, like just their offensive snaps. You can find all this stuff on YouTube. And Matt Corral sucks is, is my <laughs> official opinion. His like, that pitch guy, is so weird. It's when weird. He- he's also just a complete and total dumbass with the football. Mm-hmm. Like the way he only threw four picks this year is a freaking miracle. Yeah, I saw like six dropped interceptions in these games at least. Like it, it was just a statistical anomaly that he didn't throw more. So you put Caleb in that system, he's – gonna he's gonna torch people with that with his legs he's gonna torch people with his arm you know i'm not saying i want caleb running it 20 times a game but the way that they ran corral i think is would be way like super effective for caleb the kind of reads that corral was having to make not that hard and i think caleb could just kill it doing that he can make all the throws like i i think it'd be incredible um to watch Caleb play in that offense, I have no idea if he's going to come back, you know, and then yeah. I not even getting into like Marvin Mims and Mario Williams would be perfect in this offense, but uh, I'm just, you know, we're getting excited here, but the offensive staff, largely the same, you know, we lost Dennis Simmons who you could argue was doing a terrible job, you know, like really like he, rec- first of all, this recruiting class this year, we have one guy, he's a three star. He lost mm-hmm. three different commits Um, and of course at the time, you know, you're making excuses for him, but it's a results based business. We, he lost three commits from highly rated guys and the development of players on campus. Has he developed a receiver very well since CD? No. And CD was a freak as a freshman. Of course, CD was going to be a superstar. Like that was never in question.
0: I mean, CD was a freak as a high schooler. Um, Yeah,
1: of course. You know, like. I don't. I don't see development. We had the three five-star 2019 receivers that we were all excited about. Two of them are gone. One of them's in the portal currently, and he might be gone. Haven't produced very much at all. Yeah. You know what? Where's that Marvin Mims this year? Like there would just be games where he just wouldn't touch the football. You know, and that's a Lincoln Riley problem. But I'm putting some of that on Dennis Simmons as well. You know, and like, I don't know. It just it's, it's a pro, it's been a problem um, and he's gone. you know I think honestly, look at if you look at the staff other than Jamar Kane, I would argue that all of the worst coaches on this, this year's staff are at USC now.
0: Yeah,
1: you know like I think Jamar Kane did a really nice job, but like Alex Grinch had a bad year. Um, Roy Manning had a bad year. Brian Odom had a bad year. You could argue Calvin Toluto had a bad year. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, not he's not even at USC yet, but he might wind up there. Dennis Simmons inarguably had a bad year. You know, so the guys like DeMarco is doing great on the recruiting trail. His guys were pretty good this year. Still at Oklahoma. H mm-hmm. backs were a strength of this team. Joe John Finley, still at Oklahoma. Obviously, Bill Biedenbow, everybody's talked about, did not have a good season. Um, and things have seemed to be getting worse how how much of that do you think is scheme related rather or scheme and strength and conditioning again i don't know how to quantify that but or do you just think that bill beatenbo has done a bad job the last two or three years
0: i mean it's hard to say and part of it is definitely because it's difficult to know how much schematically this is lincoln and how much is bill right Mm -hmm. does like um, are the situations, the line being put in, are they not prepared for those situations? Or is it stupid to expect them to be prepared for these situations because it doesn't play to their strengths? You know, right. and this is part of the problem with the Lincoln being the guy thing is that when your head coach is your offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, um, it's difficult to understand, like, who is responsible. Like, there, I think there's a breakdown there. Um, and in this case, like, it I means I don't think I can fairly um, dole out blame for the offensive line struggles this year. I do think they were, you know, right. they were significantly worse than they have been in the past. And the line has been getting worse. But, yeah. you know, that we'll see.
1: And one thing I'll say for the offensive line, though, is they, they weren't all bad. You know, people, right. people are going to latch on to everything bad that they do. And they're, gonna, they're not going to give them credit for what they're actually doing well. And, you know, think about the Iowa State game. We ran for over 200 yards against a really good run defense. Mm-hmm. Caleb had time in the backfield. Like, it wasn't like they were in there killing him every play. He just couldn't find anybody because they were dropping eight into coverage. Same thing against Oklahoma State and Baylor, you know. So, like, it wasn't all bad um, from an offensive line standpoint. We ran – over through and around texas completely yeah you know um so yes overall they need to be better but i think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that our scheme had just been figured out i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that our coach was not fully invested in implementing the best game plan every week because he was concerned with other things you know i tend to expect the offensive line to make a kind of a a recovery within the next couple of years with a new, a new offensive system and a new, just a whole new feel to everything personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Bill Biedenbeau. Um I have liked his offensive lines. I'm happy that we're keep retaining him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think that like, I think the offensive staff is good as it stands. Like,
1: yeah. Um, I, I I don't want to miss the opportunity to say this really quick, and then we'll talk about Brent and the defense and how great that's going to be. Oh, you should not have hired Jeff Levy. No, they the, shouldn't have. No, they shouldn't have hired Jeff Levy. It's a it's a bad, it's a bad decision. It's not. I'm not even going to say it's a bad look. Obviously, it's a bad look, but it is just a morally wrong decision to hire yeah. Jeff Levy. Yeah, and there and are it's plenty a, of it's, other it there is, are plenty of other offensive guys out there. This is this is the wrong thing to do.
0: Yeah, it, and it's 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 like a self-inflicted wound um, because it's so unnecessary. Because like you said, there are plenty of guys out there. Like Jeff Levy's offense looks good. Hey, guess what? Every coach in high, in Texas high school knows how to run this offense. It's not like it's not as simple as that, but it's also not much harder than that. Um, there are a lot of offensive guys who have good ideas who could have taken this offense to really high places. Um, yeah.
1: It, it's, it's interesting that this seemed to be the guy that Brent was just like, this is the guy I need him. This is the guy that we need. Um, and that's why they hired him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they say about it. Like, you know, obviously like, I think Joe sees a pretty, like he generally does things the right way. So it'll be interesting to hear what his process of this and why he is okay with this
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, I don't know. Um, but just, and and now that he's here, I mean I hope the offense is good, you know, obviously. Right. Because if it's really good, he won't be here very long anyways. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's we can hope for that as well. So um, but yeah, I, I don't wanna be like I, I wanna go on record and say that I would not have made this higher. I think it's I think it's a bad decision. Yeah. But
0: it's like and when we talk about this, it's like it's not just like I think people, when we say he has Briles ties, that's underselling it, right? It's yeah. like this is a guy who was directly implicated in the culture in Baylor. Like
1: this is this is Art Briles' son-in-law, you know? Like he is married to Art Briles' daughter, you know what I mean? So like this is a person as close to Art Briles as you can get without hiring Kendall Briles. If we're being honest, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting decision, like. Again, I hope he gets Arch Manning to come to Oklahoma and I hope that his offenses are great. And then he goes and is a head coach somewhere else. You know what I mean? Um, Probably at Liberty, if we're being honest. So Um, the
0: yeah, I mean, by that point, Brennan Marion will be ready for a big time OC job. It'll
1: be perfect. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Let's do it. Um, Let's talk about the defense, man. Because I mean we we just hired Brent freaking venables. Right. Like,
0: um, let's first let's take a second and be happy about that.
1: Yeah. Um
0: because this like when I talk about like Lincoln's reticence, you know what I don't remember, you know what Lincoln didn't do in press conferences was smile. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: and yeah. it's it is fun to see in comparison someone who is obviously very happy to be here. Right. Um, I mean, and part part of that is like jilted lover rebound, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's it's Brent. This is this is yeah. like the assumption was he would never be a head coach because he didn't want to. When Kansas State opened and he didn't go there, I thought he was. I thought he would stay at Clemson
1: forever. Um, Kansas State and Auburn, Auburn were the two jobs that I thought he would take, um, and he just didn't do it. You know, and I mean, I think it's a, (laughs) it's, I think it's the hire that we needed. Yeah. You know, just from a morale standpoint for the fans, like I don't think that they could have made a more impactful hire um, out of the realistic options for sure. Um, Because this guy, like you said, he could have gone to a number of places. He could have gone to Auburn last year. Auburn is a very good football job and he turned him down and Oklahoma was the job he wanted. And the thing that I think was really cool is that all week in, in waiting for this announcement, there was one thing that was very obvious. And that was if Brent Venables gets offered the job, he wants it. He's going to take it Mm -hmm. like that was unquestioned. You know what I mean? So I think that's really awesome. You know, the, Former players, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a football coach more beloved by his former players at multiple schools. It was
0: astonishing to see the support he received, even when it was, like, literally when all we were going on, like, was uh, Snapchat from, like, three months ago or whatever. Right. That ended up actually being, just, like, the instant rumor started, every former defensive guy was, like, Brent, I would die for Brent Venables,
1: basically. Absolutely. You know, as soon as as soon as the as Lincoln Riley left, it was just like, okay, go hire Brent This it's, it's the right thing to do. Like he's the guy, and it's in that in that sense, it's just a really freaking cool hire. Like I, yeah. I mean, I've watched I watched all of the. I mean, I watched the freaking stream of him landing in a plane. I watched the announcement the next day, and it's just all of it. It's just like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, we have a guy that wants to be here that this dude is not ever going to leave. If he's successful, he's going to be here until he retires. Yeah. You know, like, and that is after being left by a guy that had sold himself as that kind of person. And he really wasn't like, Mm -hmm. this is, it's pretty cool to have that, um, with, with the new hire and, and dude, He's the best defensive coordinator in the country. Yeah. Like, no <laughs> like, question.
0: This is the, like, Texas fans have been, like, weirdly positive about this. That makes no sense. Um, yeah. They are delusional. And if they could have hired Brent Venables last year, they would have.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The last time he coordinated a defense against Texas, we won the game 55-17 to and had three defensive touchdowns. Yeah. So, um, yeah. They sh- yeah. And that, to me, that's just more confirmation that this is a perfect hire and he's going to be great because Texas fans are excited about it. So Right.
0: And, like, look uh, at – if you want to understand, like, the quality of this hire, look at the Clemson response to it, which yeah. is equal parts, like, we're really excited for him because he's a great guy and he deserves this, and we are going to suck now.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there was multiple, like, Clemson fan Twitter accounts that were just, like – I fucking hate Lincoln Riley. I'll never forgive him. I hope he goes four and eight every year at at USC. Right. Right. The fact that,
0: the fact that they're more angry at Lincoln for opening the job than they are at Brent for leaving should tell you everything.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause they, they know he's good enough to do the job and they just, they're, they're sad that he's not going to be coordinating their defense anymore because I didn't really understand. Like, I guess, you know, I just forgotten, but I didn't really understand how big of a difference there was pre-Brent and post-Brent at Clemson.
0: Right. Well, the game before they hired him was that um, was that the West bowl Virginia game against game. West Virginia, where they yeah. gave up seventy.
1: Right. Yeah, like that is that was I've just kind of was like, oh shit, damn! Like we got we got this guy here, um, and and just the defenses he's put out at Clemson in the last. They've been top 10 in the last seven years. Yeah. I mean, just straight up top 10 in the last seven years. It took them a couple of years to get going a little bit. They weren't great the first couple of years. They were good, but they weren't mm-hmm. great. And then they've just been top ten every year. Defensive guys in the you know, first rounders in the NFL. Like it's it's yeah. incredible. Like and it's so, incredible the job he did.
0: Yeah. And something that's been something that's clicked for me um with the um like the support Brent has gotten from his players um, from his former players in this process is like the realization it's like, remember like three ish years ago when we were like, I don't understand how Dabo Swinney has convinced this defensive line to hate money.
1: Right. And it's like,
0: it's, that's at least partially, if not mostly Brent's doing, I think
1: in retrospect. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, of course we're going to credit him for that now, obviously, (laughs) but um yeah it's it's really interesting and if you listen to the way he wants to run the program it, it does seem very clemson-esque um and there are a couple of of things that i hope he kind of compromises on because i, I do think that you need to be active in the portal in this day and age mm-hmm. um but overall like if he can execute that i think that that is probably the best case scenario for OU. Because to me, the way Lincoln was wanting to run OU was very Talent Factory-esque, you know? Yeah. Get you in for three years, you're going to go to the pros, and then we're going to have our next five-star that comes in and replaces you. And and if you look at it now, every guy that comes through Oklahoma that has a chance to even even get drafted, they seemingly leave. You know, Brian Asamoah today, he's going mm-hmm. like a sixth round pick at best, you yeah. know, and like he's going to the NFL. If that dude was playing at Clemson right now, that dude's staying. You know, yeah. Woody Washington is considering going pro after playing like 10 games at corner at Oklahoma. Like, And which is a,
0: like a natural. First off, we should say, like, good for them if they can make money out of this, because heaven oh, sure, knows sure. they're not getting paid now. Um, At the same time, it's like this is a natural consequence of selling OU as a stepping stone.
1: Right. And I think the way Brent wants to sell it is that like this is we are truly going to be like a family. We're built on relationships. We're built on development of you as a person and everything. And I think that that's going to have more of an impact on guys possibly Oh, I'm a sixth round pick this year. I want to come back and, and be a third round pick if I have a great season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that OU specifically needs because OU, if you're a talent factory, you're not going to be able to do what Alabama's doing at that level. At OU, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that, just from a location standpoint. Yeah. Georgia, same thing. Um, but I mean, you can I'm even...
0: gonna we're gonna we're gonna say this in jest frequently presumably over the next decade
1: or so, but it legitimately does have to mean more. Right. Absolutely. Um, And the thing that OU is going to have to figure out is like, how do we compete at that level? And if you're getting guys in your program that are developing for three and four years that are already super talented, I'm not saying we're going to be the three-star, five-star heart team, but if we're getting those guys to come in and they're staying like maybe one more year um, than they were previously, that's that's an advantage that we can have um, that can kind of get us closer to what those like just mega factories are, are doing, you know. And um, I don't know if Brent, I mean, this is all hypothetical. I mean, I hope it works out, but I think that's what he's going to try and do. Um and so that that's really interesting to me. I really hope that he doesn't view guys in the portal as like quitters or whatever. And he mm-hmm. like, like, I'm I don't want, I don't want those kind of guys. Cause that was the big thing at Clemson. They didn't take transfers. And like, I think this year was the first year that Dabo was like even monitoring the portal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want Brent to be like that. You, you need to, you need to go into the portal and find talent. Um, But if you're also getting guys and you're not losing them, we're not going to have as many holes to fill as we were with Lincoln. Because I think Lincoln was becoming, like, quickly becoming over-dependent on the portal. You know? It was like, eh, we're just going to sign 18 guys in this class and then we're going to go portaling for, like, six dudes or whatever.
0: Well, yeah. Well, if Tennessee hadn't melted down, like, we would have one scholarship running back
1: this year. Yeah, exactly. And that, and, and Eric Gray, that dude was a huge disappointment this year too. Yeah. You know, like it was, he was okay, but he wasn't what we thought he would be. But yeah, I just, I, I hope that there's some compromises he's going to make, but if he's able to execute and fulfill his plan, I think that we're in a much better situation for Oklahoma football than we were a week and a half ago. Um, and dude, we get to watch Brent Venables' defenses now. Yeah. Like, dude, think think about Brent Venables came into Oklahoma and he looked at the offensive staff and was like, you know what? We're obviously we have to hire an offensive coordinator, but all of you guys, you can stay. You guys are great. He looked at the defense and just said, fuck speed D. Like that shit's stupid. <laughs> all of you guys are gone. I don't need any of you guys right like he said mm-hmm. fuck the speedy speedy and he's hiring an entirely new defensive staff you know and hopefully that includes there's a couple guys from Clemson that I hope he brings that he brings with him but yeah like it we're gonna, we're not going to be watching speedy um, <laughs> anymore we're not going to be watching 280 pound nose guards you know out right. there so i mean i'm pumped i'm pumped for that more than anything else
0: yeah, I think it's
1: it's it's exciting.
0: Um because those preventable defenses are good. This is a thing we talked about when it came time to say goodbye to Mike, right? Was that ultimately you look back and you say, I mean, were they where we wanted them to be in 2011? Not necessarily. Were they bad? Not compared to 2017 and 18.
1: They weren't bad at all, you yeah. know, like We were playing elite, elite offenses that everybody was struggling with. Yeah. Like the 2011 Oklahoma State offense was elite. Mm -hmm. Robert Griffin III won the fucking Heisman. Yeah. You know, like those were elite, elite offenses. And if you go back to 2011, think about Brent's last game as a bowl game. Like in the bowl game against Iowa, shut them down. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. You know, Florida State, we played them in the non-conference on the road. Shut them down. They had 13 points. You know, like, yeah. so when he wasn't playing those just ridiculously elite spread offenses that of course, everybody's going to give up points against them. It's going to happen. Yeah. Which rate the
0: other. And the thing about that is now his defenses don't give up points to those offenses. Maybe they would against college age, Robert Griffin, the third, I don't know. But the, right. The point, like the other, like the, the, other thing to think about is that when he's coming here, he's not just coming here and bringing back his defense from 2011 like he's like legit legitimately this is a nerd we have hired a nerd a defense nerd he like at his press conference he was talking about going to iowa state and what and learning from them like this is a guy who is interested in being on the cutting edge of this sort of thing
1: um yeah
0: and that's really important um
1: and really cool absolutely yeah. And, 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 combining that with the fact that all of his players love him, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that to me is like, you know, we've talked over the years about how shitty Mike was as a DC, but his biggest problem was that everybody hated him. Yeah. You know, like, and they talk just about didn't, it. Yeah. He just this did is- not communicate well with college age kids. And that was the biggest problem. Right. You know, yes. Because it's like his scheme was stupid. But yeah,
0: have conversations with Tony Jefferson about the two of them and see which one he prefers. He will tell you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so just having a guy like that that, like you said, on the cutting edge of defense, you know, he's never like he's never gonna stop working at it either. You know, like I don't see Brent Venables being a guy that gets complacent at, at Oklahoma. You know, like Bob Stoops had that era where he got a little bit complacent. I just don't see that with Brent. You know, maybe his ceiling is not as high as Bob Stoops's was whenever Bob Stoops was really cooking. But I think he's going to give OU everything that he has at all times on the recruiting trail, and then obviously as as a coach as well. So yeah. um, it's it's really freaking cool. Um, and I honestly like I I cannot wait for for net for spring ball even. Yeah. You know, like I'm excited to hear like reports coming out of workouts just how how are how are things going with Schmidt? you know like <laughs> that'll that'll be exciting yeah you know and then going into spring and implementing a new offense and a new defense and it's it's just going to be really fun mm-hmm. you know yeah.
0: what did you think about the usc pet band's performance of the fleetwood mac classic tusk at um lincoln's introduction
1: I honestly, I couldn't watch that whole thing because it was just too, it was too cringeworthy and awkward to me. Like, I just was like, I'm, I am uncomfortable watching this.
0: This is really your moment. I think as a commentator on this sport, I don't think there's ever been a situation that lands more directly in your expertise. Um, But I, I understand it being difficult to watch Um, the, um, that whole thing. How do, so I guess this is leading into, so like Lincoln at USC, um, I know like Alex Kirshner has said on the internet that it's like, if, you know, if this hire doesn't work, maybe we should switch to pin the tail at the don- pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I obviously, I see the, I see the reason why, I mean, it's as simple as looking at what his 2023 class looks like already.
1: Right. All right. So you're, you're wondering how I feel like it's going to go for him. Yeah. There? I think he's going to be in a similar situation to where he was at Oklahoma um, and that he is going to be the best program pulling in the best players. Like, dude, he is going to mop up all of the skill talent out of California. Like that's all going to go to USC. You know, it took him two minutes to get Malachi Nelson. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be a thing. Anytime there's a five-star quarterback in California – they're going to go to USC, in my opinion. And that is going, I think, to be enough to make it to where he can be successful consistently because he's just going to be so much more talented than everyone else out there. He's never going to win a national championship at USC. I, I feel confident. Yeah. Like, I know we're not into predictions. I'm just stating a fact. Like, he is never going to win a national championship at well, USC. Yeah,
0: and when I think about... So one thing that's been sort of discussed is the idea that Lincoln didn't like going to the SEC because he didn't want to get his hands dirty. Right. Um, and I look at who has had success at USC. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Now, how did, like, yeah. I, I, and I guess it's a, it, it depends, like, I guess, like, my first, so my first response to that is, I mean, you're a multimillionaire and your job is you give teenagers concussions. So I <laughs> nobody has clean hands in this sport um paying players is good actually so if you're opposed to that then that's silly um and also like yeah the last person to win a national championship at usc was pete carroll how's he doing um did they cheat maybe a lot
1: (laughs) yeah i i think that that aspect of it is bullshit if i'm being honest i think that he just was like it's gonna be really hard over there yeah you know like honestly like he looked at alabama he looked at georgia you know he looked at what lsu was willing to do to get him and he was like god damn like i don't this is going to be really fucking hard you know and he looked at usc and saw a situation where oh i just got to go out there and beat oregon cool utah yeah. occasionally awesome let me go do that you know because teams there's just usc is really and and i guess oregon they're the only teams that truly fund football and take it as seriously as mid-tier SEC teams do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no one that takes it as seriously as like Alabama or whatever. But he saw that as like, look, I've already got like three five stars committed in 2023 from California, and I'm at, at Oklahoma. I have I have Relique Brown committed to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. If I go out there, all of those guys are going to come with me. And even though one of them isn't, so good for DeAndre Moore. Um, but he was like, all those guys are going to go out there with me. It's going to be super easy to recruit to USC. Kids want to go to USC anyways, they're in California. Hmm. You know, like when Pete Carroll was there, they were loaded every year. And he saw that as just a perfect opportunity to dominate a conference. And if you go undefeated in the Pac 12, you're going to make the playoff. And if you go, if you win the Pac 12, when things expand to 12 in the playoff, you're going to be in the playoff every year. So it, it, I just think you saw it as like the perfect opportunity to just dominate a region of football because, like, what, you know, west of the Mississippi, it's not that serious out there. You know, I know we're west of the Mississippi too, but like you get to the West Coast, football is not that serious out there. No, it isn't.
0: Students get into Arizona State games for free. At least graduate students do. I could go. I I don't have to pay to go to Sun Devil games if I wanted to. I haven't been because I have better things to do with my time.
1: You don't want to watch Herm out there. Yeah. Well, and so like again, I think it makes every bit of sense that Lincoln Riley went out there. You know, and and maybe he is like actually like we'll say more. Aligned from a philosophy standpoint with what they might be leading towards in California than he is in Oklahoma. I don't know. Um, I think it's possible that that could also play a role in it as well, but you know, I just, I think he saw it as a, as a great opportunity and I don't blame him. I wish he had coached better this year because I think we could have made the playoff again with a little mm-hmm. bit more commitment from him. Um, and I think we definitely won another big 12 championship. Which I really hated watching OSU play Baylor. I thought that sucked um, just because I was like, how did we lose to these football teams? You yeah. know? So it just, I just, I just wish he had done a better job before he left, honestly. Like that's, that's truly the biggest thing, um, biggest thing to me with, with how Lincoln is out there. And like I said, he's going to go 10 and 2, 11 and 1 every year, probably once he gets thing rolling. And then he's just going to get fucking destroyed in the playoff whenever he plays a real team that so plays in the SEC or even the big 10, in my opinion, you know, so I've, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Let's, I hope we get a chance to beat him in a couple of years and that would be fantastic. Like yeah. I was, I was thinking about this, like there's a very real possibility that when they go to 12 teams, that the first round is going to be played on home campuses. And can you imagine a USC Oklahoma playoff game in norman oh my god it would be it would be really scary (laughs) like yeah it would be it would be like the kd coming back to oklahoma city except for it's a hundred thousand people yeah (laughs) yeah it's It's ten
0: times as many
1: people right so no it's you know it is what it is i'm i'm glad we have the coach that we have like you said earlier I think we have every opportunity to have a better coaching staff next year um, than we did this year. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to say like, about the staff like Alex Grinch is inar- did an inarguably better job than Mike Stoops did. Yeah. But I think we were seeing the cap of what he could do as a defensive coordinator in this mm-hmm. conference. Like, I don't think his scheme is good. Is, is well, what I'll say.
0: I think the thing, I think the telling thing was that he was so consistently displeased with the results. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That like when in his first year here where it was just like, I have never seen a team fail to get turnovers like this. I just don't understand what's happening. And yeah. it's like, I, th- I think that's a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's not a player problem. You know, yeah. it's like you're building a defensive scheme around forcing turnovers when you really, don't have control over that. Right. You just don't, you know. Like, you you know, you could play a game against the quarterback, and he's so inaccurate as a throw, he doesn't give you opportunities to get an interception. You know, yeah. or a team just happens to fall on three fumbles that they they that they had. You know, like you can't bank on getting turnovers to be your primary form of stopping mm-hmm. a team. That's stupid.
0: Yeah. I th- I, there's a degree which. And this is, this is one of those things where I am talking out of my ass. I do not have the expertise necessary to make the following comment. Qualifications like that are going to be much more common on this podcast, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but the thing it reminds me of is in chess, right? So at, a, at low levels in chess, the base, basically it's just don't make a mistake. And when your opponent makes a mistake, recognize they have made a mistake and punish them for it that that, that only like so it's like in order to win you the hope is that your opponent makes a mistake right. um and at higher levels it doesn't work like that you know
1: because they are going to make one yeah
0: yeah so you need to be able you need to be able to put out um a defense that if everything goes according to plan for the offense you're okay with that result
1: yeah Well, and you know, that, that, that kind of scheme where you're hoping for the other team to make a mistake and you're able to capitalize on that, that makes a lot of sense when you're playing with players that aren't that talented, Mm -hmm. you know, if you get a bunch of guys that like, they play super fast and they are able to jump on opportunities that are presented for them, like that makes some sense. But when you just got better players, why is that what you're trying to do? you know right like that that doesn't make a lot of sense why are you on the defensive front why are you stunting like crazy when you just have a better player than the guy that's across from them you know and like there were so many times this year whenever teams were running successfully on us it was usually because they just were like oh they're gonna stunt this way and we're gonna run away from it or we're gonna run at the stunt and it's gonna work you know what i mean so like
0: like in in chess I, it's chess now. It's, it's it's like when you when you play a gambit in chess, and the goal of the gambit is to create a situation where you know objectively your position is worse than your opponent's, but it's difficult for them to uh, not make a mistake because they're unfamiliar with the position or there's some trick that's hidden in the gambit that they might be unfamiliar with. If they're familiar with the gambit, you will lose. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's the sort of thing where it's like coaching in the big 12, talent in the big 12, and certainly in the SEC, is such that you can't play expecting opponents to fall into your trap.
1: Right. Well, and, and I just think about if you compare that with what Brent Venables does Brent Venables is the ultimate schemer. He has a scheme for every team he plays. And in a lot of ways, like a lot of times, you know, the the criticism I think he got at Oklahoma his last few years is that things were too complex. You know, Uh like he was just trying to do so much to stop those spread offenses that things just got kind of out of hand with that complexity. Alex Grinch does the same shit every week. You know, there is one – like he only runs one personnel package. It's a three-three-five, or with a stand-up defensive end as a linebacker. I don't know a four-two-five really, is is what it's more like. But like fourth and one, we're not putting more guys. It's we're staying in that four-two-five. You know, Brent Venables. You know, he'll play a three-man front on one down. He'll play a four-man front on the next. You know, he'll play a two-man front. He does so much stuff to try to confuse offenses and be unpredictable that like when you're able to execute it and things might be a little bumpy the first year while these players that have been running a bullshit scheme figure out his stuff but once his scheme gets implemented it's going to be it's just going to be better defense Mm -hmm. you know it just truly is and i'm i'm pumped i'm really pumped i'm pumped to get out of the speed D thing, because I think as we moved into the sec, it was going to get exposed even more. That was never going to work in the sec. Um, I got, I think about one of the games that I thought about was just that 2019 peach bowl, right? Mm -hmm. LSU's offense, the best offense ever, obviously amazing stuff. We were missing, we had to start Justin Broyles and Buki was an idiot in that game. The personnel was not even, it wasn't fair, but I'm not sure I've ever seen an offense have an easier time at just dissecting a defense than that, than that offense did us. Like, and yeah, personnel played a role, but you know, we had the, you could have the best players in the country and they were still going to light us up because they knew everything that we were going to do at all times in that game. And there was nothing we could do about it. You know? And so, yeah, we weren't – we were at a disadvantage from a personnel standpoint, but it's still – it shouldn't have been giving up 49 points in the first half bad. You know, LSU could have scored 98 points on us if they wanted to, but they wound up only scoring 63, you know. And that should never happen at OU. It, like the players yeah. that we have, it should never happen. You know, that LSU def- that LSU offense isn't putting – 80 on Oklahoma State's defense from this year that's not that talented but it's a good unit um, shots to Jim Knowles for going to Ohio State by the way you know, <laughs> but uh, it's just to yeah, me well, as
0: we've as we've discussed privately we'll probably end up playing Ohio State more often than Oklahoma State
1: now but it's true but I I we need to beat Oklahoma State next year like yeah. that is very that is very important very important uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to, to talk about with this?
0: Um, not really. I, th- I think we've about covered the, the football stuff. I, I will say we've alluded to this like strong stance on this podcast moving forward. Predictions are stupid. Don't make them. Don't listen to them. Um, yeah. And this is an easy thing to say after we said on our last recording that we were going to win a national title. But it's like, yeah, that was that was decent information at the time. Frankly, and this like this demonstrates the folly of predictions. As T.S. Eliot wrote in The Wasteland, what are the roots that clutch? What branches grow out of this stony rubbish? Son of man, you cannot say or guess, for you know only a heap of broken images. That's why you shouldn't make predictions about college football.
1: Yep, it's a completely illogical thing. You know, if you're gonna make a prediction, Just predict that Alabama's gonna win, you know, and that and leave it there. Yeah,
0: because even when it doesn't make sense that they should, they do.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely. So cool. Yeah, I think
0: we're gonna try and record more often, certainly across, certainly over the break. Um, and certainly we'll have things to say about like the thunder and stuff. Um, but, um, I think moving forward too, um, obviously like our lives are still going to be busy because we're still both graduate students. And so's, uh, so's Nathan. When is he done with this program? I don't know. Um, the, um, but hopefully we can record more often, maybe talk, talking about this more qualitatively talking about sports as an experience, which I think is more interesting. Um, maybe branching out, maybe not. We'll see. Um, But with that, um, thanks for listening here at the Oklahoma Drill. Um, You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podbean, or Spotify. Find us on YouTube if that's your deal. Some people like podcasts on YouTube. Don't understand that, but it's there if you want it. Um,
1: Other than that, um, we'll see you guys next time.